Hey there, welcome to the TWE podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things related to horse training, horse keeping, and being better horse people for our horses. I hope you enjoy this episode today. And if you'd like to share your thoughts with me or have suggestions for future podcast episodes, please feel free to reach out to me through social media or the TWE website, thewillingequine.com. On my website, you can also find a ton of great information about horse training and keeping in general, as well as check out the TWE services and just learn more about us. Also, we have courses and memberships that you could sign up for. Before you do that though, I would love for you to listen to this episode and I hope it inspires you in a positive way today. Hey guys, welcome back to the TWE podcast. Today I have a very special episode for you guys where we have guest speaker Ryan Cartledge. And Ryan Cartledge is a certified professional dog trainer through the Karen Pryor Academy and the founder of Animal Training Academy. And we just worked on pronouncing this and I've forgotten it completely, <laughs> but Kapati? No, that's not right, but dog trainer. He has been working internationally as professional trainer since 2007, including in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, and the U.S. Ryan has trained teams, developed animal training programs, been published in leading industry magazines, spoken at international conferences, and delivered presentations in a university on animal behavior. And now, through the Animal Training Academy, he connects hundreds of animal behavior and training enthusiasts with a large and growing library of lessons and tutorials delivered by renowned animal experts. So, without further ado, hi Ryan, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing doing great, thank you. Speaking to you from New Zealand, which seems isolated from a lot of uh, what's happening in the world at the moment. Um, yeah. So I, I nearly feel bad saying I'm doing good because I know <laughs> the, the uncertainties we face in New Zealand are different to the uncertainties that uh, you're facing in Texas uh, and, and other parts of the world where, where your audience might be sitting and listening to this. But uh, other than that, <laughs> yeah, we'll <doing> see. <laughs> we'll see by the time this recording goes up what what has come of things. But as of right now, things are a little bit uh, in turmoil. But will you pronounce that word again for me, <laughs> just so everybody else knows the right pronunciation? Oh well, we've got uh, uh, local dialect with our Aboriginal people in New Zealand and our, our Maori people, um, and, and they've got um, words that, in combinations of letters and pronunciation for different letters in the English alphabet that are quite different than uh, the most of the rest of the English-speaking community of the planet. So it's, it's Kapiti dog training. Kapiti is uh, Kapiti. the local... There we go. Yeah, got it now. Kapiti dog trainer. <laughs> the local. Hey, I've got my own podcast, as you know, Adele, uh, and, and so we've had many of opportunities, uh, or sorry, many situations where I've completely butchered people's names. <laughs> well, good. You can sympathize with me, and I'm sure my audience, my listeners will be forgiving. Um, yeah, so tell me, but tell me um, about yourself a little bit and about the Animal Training Academy and like what inspired you to start that. And just give me a little history before we go into the rest of the episode. Yeah, and, and Animal Training Academy, uh, being a membership is full of wonderful members. I just like the host of this wonderful podcast show, uh, Adele Shaw, has been a member for a couple of years now. So I wanted to start out uh, to not answer your question by, by okay. just putting a shout out to the um, awesome work that you do, Adele. And I know that 
with the, spe the species that you predominantly work with, um, equines, there's uh, lots of um, opinions and lots of uh, strategies and techniques to, to work with those learners. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I know that you've uh, been through a journey yourself to uh, learn and, and grow and, and develop and, and be brave uh, and take on new information. And, and so I just want to say that I'm really excited to uh, be talking on your show where you're spreading information about positive reinforcement. Uh, and uh, I am inspired by and uh, love to see you doing things like the IAABC uh, yeah. certification. Um, so, so it's an honour to be here. First, I just want to say that, and then to be part of what you're doing and then what you're putting out into the world. So, thank you for the opportunity. Um, secondly, Animal Training Academy. So, why did I get started? I don't really have. I feel a good answer to that. Just kind of happened. <laughs> I, I, I decided at some point that I was unemployable. Um, what I mean by that is I could get a job. I just wasn't going to take one, uh, and I was just going to figure it out. Just going to figure out how to do what I've always done um, in the 99% of my adult life which is work with and um, train animals uh, and and uh, I did and it turned into a membership called Animal Training Academy but there like you go authentic <laughs> like growth from from in, you were just kind of inspired and it just grew from there well I think that my behavior today and, and the behaviors that maintain what we call Animal Training Academy, and that, and that is the dissemination, of, much like yourself, of content. So sitting here and recording podcast episodes or whether it be doing live classes uh, via our membership or engaging in our online community, they're, they're all behaviours that I do at a high frequency. So uh, what we know about that is I'm reinforced for all of these things. So I would say that it's organic in so much as um, I've only done what I've been reinforced for doing. I just started doing things. And the things that provided reinforcement for me, uh, which were spreading information, helping out learners, whether they be equine learners, canine learners. Well, we don't work uh, specifically with species. We just work with learners mm -hmm. on planet Earth. Um, and so if, if it was helping them out, like I was reinforced for doing it. I kept doing it. Uh, and then that was somehow turned into a product. <laughs> that meant that I could afford to keep doing that. Uh, and and so Animal Training Academy is a result of my reinforcement history. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's pretty much if I think about it, I could come up with the whole story of how I got started with TWE and this podcast and all that. But I mean, it all boils down to the fact that at some point I started sharing information and training animals and working with people and helping people and it got reinforced and I just wanted to keep doing that. And then it turned into a way where I could support that process and support me doing more of that. And here we are now. So we're very, we have a similar journey from, you know, the beginning to where we are now with our memberships and our platforms. And, um, and I love that you work with learners on planet earth. Um, that's, that's why I'm really excited to have you here on this episode today to kind of share with us, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but about how horses are not so very different from us and from other species as well. Um, so, and we'll dive into that a little bit more, but can you tell us a little bit about what 
you know, just give us a little bit of a overlook of like what Animal Training Academy is and, you know, kind of what you do with Animal Training Academy, just to kind of give us a feel for, um, yeah, just give us a feel for what it's like in Animal Training Academy and all of that. So it's, it's uh, pretty much online, predominantly online. Um, I do in-person consulting through Animal Training Academy as well. Uh, but that, that pales in comparison to the work that I do uh, helping non-human learners and human learners online. So the reason that it exists is purely for that reason. It's plain and simple. We just want to help learners be learners. Uh, whether whether you're a human learner learning how to learn or learning how to help others learn uh, or, or you are an indirect product of the content we put out and you might be a horse uh, on someone's farmland in Melbourne, Australia, or Texas, or Austria, uh, or whatever species you are, you might be an exotic animal in a zoo. Like you, you, they, they are our um, end user, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> they yeah. can't log into their phone and use the thing. But but the reason we exist is to help them, is to increase the amount of pleasant experiences in their day versus unpleasant experiences, which which is a um, kind of way that I have a framing welfare. If, yeah. if an animal's experiences, the, the good experiences far exceed the unpleasant experiences, then I'd say uh, that that we, we might hypothesize this animal has good welfare. So if, if we're impacting learners on that level, then, then that is why we do what we do. Uh, we do that through uh, our membership uh, and our content that we produce. Uh, so we have a podcast show, we do live web classes, uh, and then we create a community around that. So what I do, though, is is I <laughs> use the um, science of learning, uh, the science of positive reinforcement, uh, what we know about how antecedent arrangement helps learning, helps set people up for success. So what I mean by that is, is how the environment facilitates behavior, how it makes right behavior easier, uh, and what we might label as right behavior uh, easier and, and undesirable behavior harder. Um, so I set that up so that people that use our product, um, that their behavior moves in the direction we want it to move. And, and really what I'm learning after doing this for five years or so now is that the direction we want our learners' behavior to move is being good learners themselves. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so one one thing that I've experienced from being a learner uh, about positive reinforcement and about animal training is that working in these, I worked in zoos for 10 years, mainly with free fly birds, but with all species in uh, a zoological setting that were housed at the various organisations I worked at. And I kind of, before I started Animal Training Academy, had a pretty small bubble of, of influences, of mentors, um, and I didn't think I didn't I wasn't even aware that there was this whole other world of people doing like extraordinary things. Yeah. Uh, and I learned that there was was <laughs> I, I had direct conversations with some of the thought leaders, as I still do today, uh, via Animal Training Academy. Uh, some of the the lead researchers, some of the lead practical appliers, people that have been doing this longer than I've been alive. Like, you know, their careers from the start of like, you know, they'd already lived for 20 years and then they started their career and now where they are, they've been, they've been doing that like decades or longer yeah. <laughs> than I've been alive. <laughs> um, and 
that's overwhelming. That that can be overwhelming when there's a saying like the more you learn, the less you know. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. Right. And and so, how does that make you feel? Like, how do, how does that make? It's daunting. Like, it's like yeah. It's like a little bit scary too because you're you're like how much more out there is you know how much more is there out there that I don't know and um. Yeah, it's just a kind of an overwhelming feeling. I guess that would be the best way I'd explain that. But also exciting if you allow it to be because you're like, yes, there's so much more. It's just this constant, I don't know, I find new information and learning new things reinforcing at this point in my life. It didn't maybe always used to be. But so to me, it's now an exciting opportunity where I see all of this like there's so much more out there. Like, let's just keep learning. But at the same time, I get overwhelmed because I want to know it all right now. <laughs> so that's just me though. Yeah. And and I'm really curious to explore that space. Like what is, what does overwhelming look like and what is exciting look like? Like what are the actual behaviors that we can observe that we label as exciting? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and how does, how does someone take in all of this new information and what do they do with it as a learner? Like, mm-hmm. So if you're spreading information about positive reinforcement to equine owners and they want to shape a behavior, uh, one thing that a lot of uh, experienced trainers will I hypothesize already know and people just learning about it will start to learn quickly is that we've got to break that behavior down into learnable, small learnable chunks make it, and just successive approximations make it easy for your learner to go from one baby step to the next baby step. Um, and so... I think, and one thing that I'm trying to do with our community is to help each individual member where they are and provide a step for them on that journey because everyone's coming into the membership at a different stage, right? And if we're like, yo, new horse trainer into Animal Training Academy, go listen to Adele Shaw's podcast episode. Like that information might be above where they need to be for sure so so what does excited look like like i think excited looks like uh one one i mean because it looks different to every single person i would hypothesize but one potential uh operalizationalized (laughs) (laughs) way of looking at it could be like they get new information uh and if they're training their animals they can implement something and they can get what they might label as success. Yeah, they're reinforced for it. Mm, by their animal's behavior. Yes. So. That would if, just be the the success, like the reinforcement process, but then the excited process might be having a history knowing that that's coming. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, not, that's not necessarily. Your, yeah, the anticipation is not necessarily your behavior, but it's. Um, like just internally somewhere, I don't know what's going on under the skin, but right. you yeah. have a history of knowing that once you get this, it's going to oh, be God. like it's awesome. So good. Yeah. So, so you made me think about my current situation. So we have a nine month old baby. Uh, and before our baby came, uh, her name's Summer. I, I can manage Animal Training Academy and kind of like, make room and time in my life to be a good husband, to be a good son, to be a good friend, to be a good member of my local community um, and do lots of my own hobbies. Mm -hmm. 
now I don't have time for any of this. <laughs> right, right. And so, and so, and, and, and strategies I've used in the past to kind of manage life don't work anymore because there's not enough resources mm. to do them because, you know, sleeping and there's always um, a little being in our house. We have four of them. One's a human, one's a canine, two are felines. Um, demanding resources as well. Yeah. And those little little guys are surprisingly very uh, demanding of resources. <laughs> well, they, I mean, I mean, they they like, you know, they, like yesterday, there's four or five different things happening, and someone had gone into a cupboard and she was holding a um, glass of herbs. Okay. Right, with a lid skewly on, but I kind of went yeah. to take it, and I was like, "Hang on, why am I taking this glass thing off here? Like, she's learning; she's got no idea. Like, we just have this." This like learner who's like everything is just like so new, <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. and it's like, and trying to support that, um, and trying to kind of learn how to be a parent. Um, but what was the last thing you said? Because I had a point to all of this. Um, I was saying about being having that history of knowing that once you mm, are able yes. to be successful, it'll be reinforcing, like being able to right. go through that. Right. So. So it's scary. Right now is terrifying mm-hmm. because hey, hey, you used one of the words I love to use: terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> it's 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 terrifying because like when when your resources become so misaligned mm. with what is required from you, uh, it's it's a challenging thing to process mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then the health of your mental state or your mental health. Um, is going to be different in that context, right? But I'm excited. I'm excited now, like, and I can say that in all sincerity because I have a learning history with being in context where I had no idea what I needed to do to fix it but knew that I could fix it. Yeah. And I knew that someone somewhere in my situation would do things differently. I just had to learn who that person was and what they would do differently. Mm -hmm. That learning history comes from, I think, knowing how to approximate your way out of situations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can see that from myself too. Just the more, you know, like when I first started horse training with um, specifically with positive reinforcement, you know, the littlest little thing would show up like um, my horse would stand too close to me or whatever. And it would instantaneously be, you know, I just wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know how to break that down. I wouldn't know how to, you know, get to a successful point. And so it was very stressful and overwhelming. But now, you know, years and years later, I've learned over repeated experiences how to break things down. And so if a horse gets too close to me, I'm just like, interesting, let's figure out how to break this down and problem solve it. And so it's actually an exciting opportunity. And I think some of my students might think I'm a little bit off my rocker because I, um, I, I hear of new like cases where like, um, recently I started working with a horse that has a history of flipping over with a rider and it's very, what does that mean? Tell tell my Um, mom horse. (laughs) Sorry. Um, she, the horse rears and then goes over backwards and lands on its back with a rider on. So they go straight up vertically and then back over. Sounds painful for all involved. Yes. It's highly dangerous and it can kill people and, and very damn and damage the horse significantly. But anyway, I just a little light bulb, like little 
I don't even know what an inspirational thing went off in me. And I was like, this is so exciting. I have no idea if, when, how we're going to fix this, but I'm really excited to learn and to try and to just break this down into the smallest chunks and problem solve my way through. And I find it so reinforcing to work through situations like that. Um, but you have to get there. You have to get to that point and understand how to do that. Right. And so, and so my like huge uh, passion right now is to, uh, and, and I'm reinforced for this and I'll, 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 I can unpack that a little bit in, in a moment, what my reinforcers are and what my behaviors are. Um, but is to teach people the behaviors associated to get to what you just described. Yeah. Right. So let's say someone else is in your position and it can become, it can seem so overwhelming. Um, and, and I see people work with equines or whatever other non-human species and, and humans. Uh, and afterwards we might have a discussion about, or they might be seeking feedback about uh, their interaction. Uh, what, where, how did I go as a teacher interacting with this learner and sometimes a focus can be on uh, the things that didn't go well mm-hmm. I've been there I'm still I still go there um, and I see others go there and so one of the behaviors that we that I try to implement in our uh, antecedents so things that members see in our community uh, and the reinforcement that I endeavor to give and others in our community also endeavor to give is to say something that just happened in your interaction that went really well. Yeah, focusing on um, the thing that went right or well or better. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and another way of framing that is what is the reinforceable behavior? Like what is what is the thing from that session that just happened that you want to maintain or see more of in the future? Because when, when we're working with our horses or whatever species, that's what we focus on, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel we forget to focus on that with ourselves. Yeah, we're, 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 so so that's one thing to, to try and build towards excitement. You, yeah. The question goes all the way back to what is Animal Training Academy? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're 30 minutes, almost like 20 something minutes in. And that's yeah, funny. We, we'd love to. Well, if, if this is the one thing that this this episode shares with your audience, I'm pretty thrilled about it. And, and all credit to this idea goes to Sarah Owings, by the way. Yeah. Who is a dog trainer uh, in California, here we say. Uh, who shared a post, and it, for me, out of five years of doing our membership, it's the most poignant post in our community about, and I know Adele, we, I shared it with you recently as well, yes. um, about about this idea, about looking at your session and picking out the things that you did that you liked and your learner did that you liked. And then the other thing that Sarah offered and that I implement uh, and teach others now as well and that we see and I say I'm reinforced for this because we see so many members in our community using this now using it with themselves and using it with others mm-hmm. um, so for me it's got reinforcing value because I'm seeing it more and more mm-hmm. and also I mean I can see that it's got reinforcing for others because I can see that the frequency of them using it is increasing um, so the other thing that I include and I'm trying to help our members with to to build excitement and and to move away from overwhelm Mm -hmm. is to think about okay look at what you've just done implement for your next training session just one it's really important just one and just small 
change. Mm-hmm. That's all. And and the, the, the concept for me that this is intending to offer to others is the same one that we offer to our horses when we use positive reinforcement or whatever species we're working with. Uh, and we can apply it to human learners and being a human learner, we can apply it to ourselves is that we, we are learners on planet Earth and the laws of behavior work the same for all learners on planet Earth. And we learn in small chunks, just like our horses do. Um, and if you implement one small change, right, and it doesn't go well, for me, that's awesome. And like you say, that's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You can get excited about that. You're like, I've never done that. I just did something that I've never done in my life before. And now I know that that thing doesn't work. And now I can make a smarter decision because I have that information. This reminds me, if you don't mind me interrupting, I was, I had a training session with one of my horses um, two days ago now. Maybe it was one day ago. I can't remember. My days are all mixed up. And ultimately, this session ended well. We were working on him targeting his ear to my hand, um, working on cooperative care uh, for being able to take care of his ears. And um, But the session started off just messy. It was very, very messy. He was all over the place. I was all over the place. The thing was a disaster to begin with. It ended better, though, because I... Um, well, I was able to, in the moment, figure out what I was doing wrong and fix it. But later, I went back and watched the videos and see my mistakes in, in the past, or you know, even a month ago, I don't know, just whatever. I've gotten better about this going for, uh, I've progressively gotten better at doing this with myself. I would have so easy just been like, okay, delete the video, <laughs> no record of how terrible that training session was. Um, just beating myself up, whatever. But it was really this time I was able to watch this video and just be absolutely fascinated at what I was seeing because what I realized it was a very simple fix. I just didn't recognize it to begin with is I didn't provide this horse with um, a starting point for the behavior I was working on. I went straight to shaping, targeting the ears to my hand, but I didn't tell him where I needed him to be in order to be able to go to that approximation. Like even if it was just turn your head a little bit, I still had not started off in a really good starting point for him, what he needed. And so the point of that whole story was, is just being able to like watch your own training or step back out of training sessions that maybe didn't go the way you wanted them to and just be like interesting opportunity for learning and I was so excited about the training session actually and the recording and just what I learned from it I took it I did a voiceover and put it in my membership because I'm like here guys like we need to like learn from like this is so awesome like what happened yeah sure this was all messy but like learning opportunity right here and it was just really cool so kind of tied into what you're saying yeah I love it and it's worked really well for me, and, and, I, and I know it works for others, and, and, but I think it doesn't work well for some people, so everyone's an individual, just like our horses. As you know, with uh, the story that you shared in our ATA podcast episode that might or might not be out by the time this comes out, I'm not sure, about Tiger. It probably will. <laughs> um, and is that having a really clear like, process, so having behaviours that you can do, uh, to do that review process. Mm-hmm. So what? So, so so for example, filming your training is so good, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why doesn't anyone just film their training? 
because like people don't have tripods and they don't have good computers and they don't know how to transfer the files over and they don't have anywhere to store the files and they're filming, they're training in a place that's too hot or it's too cold or it's raining. Like there's so many barriers. For sure. Actually in the middle of summer here, my, my, most of my phone, even like the, the top of the line lasts five minutes out in our sun before they shut off. Yeah. It's so hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and then, so you're not reinforced for filming. You only know that you are because you film, but if you're a trainer and you're not filming, acknowledge that the reason you're not filming is because there are no reinforcers for you. Mm-hmm. There haven't been in your learning history enough reinforcement for you to continue that behavior. Or so, in, in that situation with the phone shutting off, if you get too many, you try it too many times without it, you know, getting punished. Because there's been many times where I've set up my phone, got it all ready. It was a beautiful session. Turns out my phone turned off and I was just like, I was punished. It was essentially like a punishing experience. I was like, I just spent all of that time setting this wow. up and it fails. And then I don't do it the next time because I don't want to deal with yeah, man. The outside that what happens after when I figure out that my phone just shut down on me. I'd rather just enjoy the training session than have to deal with yeah. that. Yeah. And then and what what I've started to do, this, be, this becomes so reinforcing for me, is that I might, and I've done this in the areas of my life, have situations where um, I've just gone, okay, but what did I like that I just did then? <laughs> Even though like the phone like shut off. Yeah. Um, and, and I've been training myself to do new behaviors that I've not uh, attempted for years mm. through this process through this process yeah so, so like with the phone shutting off example sure it shut off in the end but if I step back and be like you know what it was good I I'm really proud of myself for putting it up like even trying, like just making yeah. that first step, like thinking about totally. doing it. So that's, that's the other thing. I got out of habit of recording a lot of my training sessions for a long time, um, just had different stuff going on. And then I wanted to get back into recording and I kept forgetting because I was out of quote habit of doing it. I just hadn't been setting it up. So then the one time following that I set it up, but I didn't push the record button. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try not to get irritated with myself. I am really happy that I even thought to set it up. And now we just have to push record button next time. <laughs> so just using totally. that process. <laughs> totally. And then you'll be reinforced for pushing the record yes. button next time. Like Sarah, Sarah Owings, once again, Sarah Owings is the person that did the post in the Facebook group that led to me implementing this and, and who's the person that came up with the training rubric, she calls it in the start. I remember like, we did a podcast episode on my podcast show years ago. And it was something, and we we're talking about uh, reading a book. And I was like, you know, I never get past first two chapters. And she's like, why, Ryan, why don't you just do the like, goal of like touching the book every day? Yeah. And I'm like, and at the time I, I didn't have enough learning history with positive reinforcement and, and me being a learner and treating myself like a learner to go like, obviously. Well, and I think context. So I've become very comfortable with treating myself as a learner when working with my horses, but then I forget to do it as a parent or, you know, or driving in a car or just things change. Generalizing, like we were talking about before we started recording, generalizing that behavior um, that we've learned how to do in a certain situation to other situations is, can be challenging and just to remember to do that. So 
baby steps, approximations? <laughs> well, the, big, the, big, the biggest example is not my own when it comes to generalizing. Um, and, and I know that maybe you might train a behavior of your horse um, in a barn with no other horses around and then take it out into um, the outside and there's other horses around and your, behavior, your horse who might have been doing the behavior perfectly in the barn will not do it in this new context. Mm -hmm. um, so we know that context is important for horses and to come up with a shaping plan where we can gradually take these approximations and teach the horse to do the behavior under uh, different environmental settings. Yes. Uh, the, the best the best example that comes to my mind with a non-horse species was from Veronica Bautelli from Dogbiz who talks about doing a class where canines are taught Canine owners are taught to target a dog, for example. Uh, and I know we do targeting with horses a lot yes. as well. Um, so talking about the targeting behavior and they do it in class setting and it's all good and they and they pass and they get their certificate. And in an observation Veronica shared with us is you go outside and she'd watch the owners trying to load the dog into the car and it's all over the place and the owners don't know what to do and it's all very stressful. And Veronica shared that she was standing going, why don't you target the dog into the car? <laughs> You know, so like taking yeah. as a human learner, like taking that behavior out of the class setting and applying it w within the space of 10 minutes in yes. a different context. Oh, I have a great example of a horse one with a client um, where, and this happens in other, I'm just thinking of one that's very recently, but we were working on this horse didn't really want to move forward. Like he just lived for standing still. <laughs> he had foot soreness. There were some other issues going on. Um, but he'd been, he was doing better with his feet. He had just kind of become a little bit reluctant to move forward with people due to past associations with that. So we had started training him to follow a target, which was going fantastic during the training sessions with me, with her even, um, right inside of his like large pen area. And then not even like five, maybe 10 minutes later, I'm packing up to leave and the horse needs to be moved to a different pen. And so the halter and lead rope was put on and just we resort back to old or, you know, they resorted back to old habits as far as we drag the horse along, make it move, cluck at it, all that. And I'm like, why don't you get your target out? And they did, and the horse walked to the other pen, and I was just like, "Yes, that's awesome!" But it's this crazy how that happens, how we can, because the the client was all on board; she was super excited about the following target, but it never even dawned on her to use the targeting outside of that training, that little sessions context. Um, so yeah, it's a similar example. Yeah, and I think it's uh, an example of, for me anyway, and and when you asked <laughs> what animal training academy does. Uh, we provide information about how learning works uh, for all species on planet Earth. We have a lot of equine members, um, but we have members of all species. But additionally, one of um, the species that I hope that we teach how learning works too is the individual members of Animal Training Academy and how they can use these principles on themselves. Because as examples that you and I have just given um, to the listeners of this show, uh, these are our clients, our, our students, our, our mentors sharing sto stories about their students. Uh, but myself and you included are also learners. And there we can also think of examples where we haven't generalized. Oh, 100%. Oh, I was just thinking, okay, a good example for myself. Um, I 
have been deworming. So we have to give horses deworming paste. It depends on where you live, how often you give it and all that. But for me, it's in a Texas area, it's usually every other month or every three months, depending on the horse. And um, I've always been taught and I've always done it this way where I take the tube of paste and I put it in their mouth and they take it and that's it. Um, When I started training with positive reinforcement, I started I kind of set that aside. Like I kept using just a very quick, like hold the head down, squirt the tube in, (laughs) like just try and get it over the paint, rip the bandaid off essentially idea. Um, That was before I really understood how to use like cooperative care. And so then I started using that and it got a lot better, but I had somebody point out to me, um, it was an intern actually. She was like, why don't you just put the dewormer in their, they get soaked hay pellets, which they consume with no matter what's inside of it they're just not picky and why don't you just put it in there and then they can just eat it up and it's less stressful for everybody you know all this and I'm like I don't know why I didn't think to make this the easiest way possible like why I don't know it was just it's just kind of that type of stuff where it has taken me even though I've been training this way for a long time and yes I was using cooperative care and all that I still was holding on to this idea that the tube must go directly into the back of the throat and be squirted in instead of thinking outside the box a little bit and trying to make it easier for everybody and less stressful because ultimately it's still a disgusting tasting paste that goes down their mouth and it tends to um, make them not want to have tubes in their mouth in the future. But this is kind of a another um, example or a recent example I've thought of where I'm still holding on to some older stuff that I used to do and I Mm -hmm. have to I'm a learner too I'm still like evolving every day as far as my training and handling goes yeah and and the example uh, I think if it's urinated is is a great one and one that I remember and I thought of lots of examples where I'm my life where I'm like oh my god why didn't I think about that (laughs) (laughs) but um the one that you and I were talking about before we push record and then one I think that's relevant or really relevant to horses uh, and something that I know you're passionate about is like, what what are the horses doing in the other you know, 23 hours of a the day? Then we're, we're not spending time with it. Um, so one one thing that I've spent a lot of time learning about and practically applying is what's called Crucial Conversations, uh, which is uh, uh, offering courses, seminars, but it's also a book. Um, it's, it's how to handle conversations where stakes are high, opinions vary, and emotions run strong. Mm-hmm. And what and and so think about those three factors stakes are high opinions vary and emotions run strong and every single human being could probably think about one of those situations they've been in most likely relatively recently mm-hmm. uh, and and so w- one of the main things the book teaches is to start with heart what that means is when you notice that safety is at risk so uh if if the three elements are present stakes are high opinions vary and emotions run strong and you notice that there's a shift in the conversation where it doesn't become about the conversation that becomes about being right or wrong, or someone gets um, violent in a communicative style. Mm. They raise their voice. They start using sarcasm or someone shuts down. They're like, I don't want to talk about this. It's too hard. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Or they just stop talking. That They are signs that the conversations become unsafe. Mm, interesting. So the book teaches to slow down. Start with heart. Slow down. I slow down when I feel my heart start racing Mm. and my palms getting sweaty and my breath becoming short. And start with heart means to ask a set of questions. It is is 
literally behaviors that you have to do, internal behaviors, four processes. Ask yourself, what do you want from this conversation? What does the other person want? What do you want for the relationship? What don't you want from this conversation? Because that's, and, and then that's where you start. And then to, to say those things out loud. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I, I just want us to get along really well. Um, I don't want you to feel offended. Um, and I know it's really important to me that, you know, we maintain this great friendship that we have. That was a terrible example, but that'll do for now. Yeah, it'll work. Right. But like my ability to do that, if I had eight hours sleep, I was eating well. Um, I had no business stresses at the moment. Um, and it was a bright, sunny day. And my dog uh, was happy and my cats were happy and my wife was happy and my baby was happy. It's very different to I've had three hours sleep last night. Mm-hmm. My, my, my website's not working. The dog's barking nonstop. The baby's crying. And then I get into a conversation with someone where opinions vary, emotions run strong, and um, what's that one? Opinions vary, emotions run strong. I can't even remember now. Oh my gosh. You said it like four times. Yeah, see, I can't even generalize like this part Um, of the conversation. Opinions vary, emotions run strong, blank. Anyway, go back, rewind. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let's Um, not torture the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, so, so that is a different context. And I find that I'm unsuccessful in that context. So I, I call it, the, so the environments around me, the immediate environment of what you might see might look the same, but the distant antecedents, so what I mean by that is the parts of the environment that aren't physically present, the amount of sleep I've had, the things going on in the business, the, the behavior of uh, people I care about and things I care about around me, um, they're influencing my behavior in the present moment. Yeah. Can I acknowledge my increased heart rate, stop, ask these questions and verbalize their answers to the person that I care about and having a conversation with. I don't care about them. I don't care about these things. The answer is at this stage, in some contexts, I've found that I'm very inefficient and ineffective. Do you feel like that's a result, like the behavior so I thought initially you were going down like more of a generalizing route as far as like you need to be able to take this set of behaviors. So generalize them to this new context. To the new context. But then now yeah. I feel like you're bringing in also the distant, in, I can't talk, distant antecedents, but in a trigger stacking almost sense, like they are causing. Yeah. So it's so, like a combination of those two, or maybe they're one and the same in a sense. Well, well, I, I thanks to uh, amazing trainer Kathy today have, have really rethought the word trigger into uh, the word cue, okay, and and reactive into responsive. Okay, so there there are a bunch of um, cues in my environment. Um, and I think in this case, cueing required behaviors that I don't have resources to match. So it's a it's a limited resource, um, various cues uh, situation. Uh, and I don't have behaviors and I don't have enough resources to do the, to, to do the required behaviors in that, in, the, in that context. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and so, so for me that in my um, filing cabinet in my brain, 
which is uh, Ryan Cartledge's finding cabinet. I own it and take responsibility for everything in there. I'm not saying it's right or you, mm-hmm. or it's got value to anyone else. Uh, that 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 is all part of the uh, current environment. Okay. Um, and so I've categorized that as generalizing, but I totally see what you're saying. Um, and maybe yeah, I can see um, why how you could look at it. It's it is generalizing, and then but what? Yeah, the lack. I like that you brought in the the resources are lacking. So when if I were to look at it from like in a horse example, um, just to relate it back to my horse training listeners, uh, and maybe dog training listeners and other species too. Um, so if I were to teach a horse to lead next to me nicely uh, like as far mm-hmm. as let's break that down as far as there's a, a certain amount of safe distance between the horse and I mm-hmm. um, they maintain the same pace as I do they are relatively neutral position as far as their head's not clear in the air they're also not showing a lot of calming signals and stress signs and all that so we Beautiful. tend to be what we would operationalized <laughs> nice. I, I'm a stickler about that but so if we were to package that as calm right so the yeah. horse is relatively calm and we all know what you're talking about. Yeah, so, so now well we done. know what you're talking so about. So well done. <laughs> Thank you for reinforcing me for that. Um, uh, so if we were to, at our home environment, at the barn, yeah. the horse can do this, right? And then yeah. we take them to the vet or to a show. And now mm-hmm. we've changed the environment. So mm-hmm. now we're working on having to um, generalize, so take that set of behaviors to this new context to this new environment and work on it and break it down and work on it for this horse. But also we could add in that factor of, you know, there's a difference between taking the horse to that show environment when they're well rested, they've gone with companions, they've, um, they have a familiar handler, all that. And then we've got a horse that hasn't eaten in the last couple of hours, maybe is is low on REM sleep, um, has, doesn't have their companions with them and is with a new handler. Now we have all right. of like, it's a, it's a totally different, it's still, yeah. Okay. Uh, my brain is like clicking away. No, it's, it's still to- it's a hundred, it's, it's completely relatable. Yeah. It's completely relatable. And, and then we, we kind of, um, depending on where you are in your journey, of learning about this stuff and applying it, know what to do. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So we need to set the animal up for success yes. for that new context. Uh, and here's how we will do it next time. Um, sometimes I feel like we forget to do that with ourselves. Yes, 100%. You know what I mean? So like we, so so like let's say like I was in one of the challenging situations um, recently that I that I might label myself as being ineffective at with regards to. Uh, emotions running strong, opinions vary. Why can't I get I don't know it? why you can't figure it <laughs> out. I, I feel like we need to pause and rewind. <laughs> no, just kidding. But what is the other one? Stakes are high. Stakes are oh. high. Yes. The, the outcome the outcome is super important. All right. Okay. Like ones that I the ones that I would label that I've been ineffective in recently. Like it's not that I can't be effective in that context. I've been effective in that context when the distant antecedents have been more in my favor. Yeah. Like yeah. when I didn't have a child mm-hmm. and when I was sleeping well and when I w- did have lots of time for my hobbies, which fulfill me on, on an emotional level. Um, 
So it's like that horse going to the show environment. Normally they can do it, but now we're low on REM sleep, don't have a companion, you know, we're, we're low on resources um, Mm. to be able to. Yeah. So like for you, you're the distant antecedents are your baby's not sleeping, you know, and uh, And, your website isn't working. Yeah. And it compromises your ability. Do you feel like, or I feel like from my experience, I should say with horses in particular, and also myself, how well practiced that behavior is has Absolutely. a huge impact. So a horse that has been going to shows, and I'm just using this because it's a common thing that horse people do, um, or a clinic, you could say, a horse that has gone to clinic every month for five years, maybe less like it's not a total fallout, fall apart situation if they're a little low on REM sleep. But a horse that is brand new to going to clinics and did okay the last time, but this time is low on REM sleep, you know, then they're going to fall apart much quicker because they're already yeah. maximum at that behavior, right? They're already at their maximum uh, approximation <laughs> for that behavior. Um, so potentially we might label their resilience? Potentially. I have love-hate relationship with that word (laughs) as far as like I feel like it gets used in weird ways sometimes but I would agree that it's like that behavior is so reinforced and so well generalized and has such a long history of positive outcomes and and all of that that it's able to you know be resilient under some stress or under some distant antecedents that are resource um, blocking, whatever. Anyway, yes, I, I would agree. Right. And, and so, and so back to your question, what does animal training <laughs> academy do? It, it's, it's goal is to help people do that. Well, right? well we create, we create a community around the content that we create, but mm-hmm. it's as I'm, as I'm five years deep now into it, I realize really its goal is to set the antecedents up for the learners to be successful and, and reinforce the desirable behaviors. Um, and the desirable behaviors are ones around teaching people how to teach humans how to learn. Mm-hmm. The, the positive outcomes on their non-humans that they live with or work with or whatever will flow from that. Yes. But the, the focus I'm finding is how, how do you learn? Yeah. Um, and it takes a lot of bravery and it takes a lot of vulnerability. Um, and I think we can appreciate uh, for people that are new to positive reinforcement and might have to drop everything they thought they knew mm-hmm. uh, and relearn. Like it's it's terrifying. I found that so when I first started with positive reinforcement with horses, I used a lot of more of the open access memberships, let's say, as far as like just open Facebook groups or yeah. Instagram in general and stuff. And, um, even more so now than it was then, it was always this hit or miss whether or not I was going to be reinforced by showing my approximations and showing Mm -hmm. how I'm learning or being punished by forum by well-meaning people, but it was any, it just didn't come off right. And part of it's the tonality and, and being able to express via social media is hard. Um, but one of the things I've appreciated about Animal Training Academy and um, is people are very like they just show they're like, hey, this 
this didn't go quite the way I was looking for, but let's talk about it. And just like, it's just, it's very supportive. And that's what's really valuable about communities like that. And if I'm not mistaken, it's not just for professional trainers. You've got all kinds of trainers in there of all different species. Yeah. All different species, all different parts of their journey. And it, it's, it's challenging to jump in a community. And, and, and one, one gripe I have with social media and here's, here's a, before I say that, another reinforcer I have. When people engage this process of identifying the reinforceable things they did and reinforceable things they learned, that even though there might be lots of things they could list that they didn't like, when they go through this process and they take and they and the feedback is small and it's one thing that they can do and they do it and then and then it continues, I also see people sharing more training. Yeah, instead of it being this big, like, well, you did this and you did that and you should do, even if it's positive, like you should do this or try this or so it's like, again, back to that word, it's overwhelming. It's too much to be able to move forward with and then find reinforcement for. It's like, yeah. No, I was just going to say, it's just a lot of information coming at you. And then it can seem like, well, if you have that much to I don't know I I do see the benefits and this is something I'm working to implement in my own coaching for people is um, more um, direct as far as like this you know like precise um, and reinforcing yeah and and reinforcing the things that went well because there are there's so many things I I'm always telling people when you look at it back at your training session, yes, there's going to be things you want to change. It's fine. That's normal. But I guarantee you it went a lot better than you think it did and you feel like it did. <laughs> um, you're just being really hard on yourself. Like, because that's how, I mean, maybe not everybody's that way, but for myself, I'm very hard on. I see everything I, I did wrong. People. Yeah. See everything I did wrong. And I'm very slow to be like, oh, I did that right. And I, you know, so I encourage people to do that. And I've very much appreciated that about your way of going about um, the membership and everything well yeah and, and i think i think as well that you know my, my my goal is to get people training it's because there's a difference between learning about it in our web classes and practically doing it yes for sure um and and feeling safe to practically do it uh, and then and so if someone shares a post on social media and they get a they get some feedback and it's positive and it's great, but it's large. Do we see that person continue to share training videos? Mm. Like even if they come in and they're like, oh my God, this is great. I've got so much to think about. What do they do next? Like yeah. what is what is the action they take next? I've got a hypothesis without data that we don't see as many people continue to share training videos with that kind of feedback. Interesting. And I'm going to have to think also, on this <laughs> Well, also, also if you're a learner and you're like, yo, I've, Join Animal Training Academy or the Willing Equine, and I've, I've watched this web class, and I don't even know what I'm doing, and I'm being brave here. Oh my God, this is scary. I'm going to put it up here. People might criticize me. Oh, let's push into yeah. submit. Uh, let's see what happens. And someone's like, Oh, well, have you have you tried start buttons? And you're like, What is a start button? Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't know. And so this person has no knowledge or, or um, textbook learning about start buttons and no practical experience about start buttons. But there's a suggestion that they might they should implement a start button. And mm. in, the, in their next session, um, like that, I'm curious 
things and having more of these conversations is is that focused on the individual learner mm-hmm. like the the individual person that shared a training video is is that the next approximation they need well <laughs> do you feel like maybe unintentionally just saying you know i know that person or i don't know i would assume the person had the best intentions with that comment and i know i've made similar comments before in the past many times still do yeah yeah but do you i wonder if it's it almost could be mildly punishing kind of like suggesting that there's something more they should have done well, the, the, let's, let's think about punishment as uh, uh, something that's added to um, the environment after a behavior that decreases the frequency of that behavior in the future. Okay. So what, what is the behavior? If we're saying punishment, what is the behavior that's being punished? Right. Let's say in this situation, it's sharing a video on social media. Mm-hmm. Right. So the question then is, if that's added to the environment after the video has been shared in the comment section, do we see the the frequency of that individual's video sharing maintained or increased, or do we see it decreased? If we don't see, and if we if, if we don't see any more videos from that person, or they were sharing lots and suddenly it starts to decline. I mean, there could be so many factors. They might yes. have got a new job. They might have had a yeah. child. They might this, that, and the other. Yeah. But we we might form a hypothesis that there's a possibility it could have been punishing. And this brings us back to the individuality of the learner, because for some, that might be really like, oh, let's go look at it. And they come back with their next video and they're like, look, I did start buttons and all that. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And some some people will. um, And and that's that's where bravery like what does bravery look like? Um, Bravery to me looks like um, learning something. And then trying it yeah. without without expectations, uh, and then and and so something that I've just learned is constructional affection uh, okay. from Shawma. There's a podcast episode on AT. I won't go into what it means, but it's it's using tactile um, reinforcers. Okay, uh, and teaching behaviors one might label as calm and relaxed. Okay. Uh, and I think it's on my list to listen to. <laughs> I, have a, I have quite the list. <laughs> and and so I started applying it with Phoebe. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this what he mean? And I was, I found myself going, oh, I don't know if I want to share this because I don't know if I'm doing it right. Um, but I, I also heard myself thinking, well, how are you going to learn that if you don't do it? Mm-hmm. And I just did it. And so we're doing it. We've been doing it for a week. And, and so... Just that and this action, taking action, I think um, I have so many questions about it. About About what? About the... About constructional affection and my application of it. But like, I wouldn't know I had those questions if I hadn't started doing it. Yeah. Now you've got me thinking about what bravery looks like in our animal learners. So like for horses, how could you... What you just explained, does that and how does it transfer over to what we see in our training? And my first thought, and I'll let you, you know, anyway, my first thought is, is that it does because I could easily transplant that idea of bravery and being willing to try something, 
even though you're not sure if it's the right answer. Um, to horses, especially see it in my horses with a long positive re- reinforcement history, and especially if they started off very young this way and don't have a lot of previous training, um, they will just, oh, you want this? Oh, oh, it's this. Oh, it's, you know, they're just offering behaviors and they're so free at offering it and there's no hesitation. There's no worry that like they know, or I don't, you know, I'm not going to put my mind in their mind, but I would assume they kind of know that it may not be the right answer the first time, but they just freely offer it. And so, um, so it's just kind of cool to like bring that back to what it might look like in our horse learners or equine learners, and then what it looks like in us, um, as human learners. So I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, it's a great question. And it it is definitely making me think. Uh, it's a lot easier for me to think about it in human learners uh, in so much as uh, you know if you try something, the outcome's going to be good because you're, you're, you're unable to do anything other. Like a lot of people say, should I do this? Should I do that? Right? Like I'm training this animal. Should I do this? Should I do that? I am experimenting with saying you should just do it. Yeah. Just do it because – if you knew the answer to that question, then you would be doing something different. Uh, but you can only do what you know with the learning history that you have. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that comes back to the overwhelming, like, but Sarah Owings and Veronica Baltow and um, who else have I mentioned? Adele Shaw might do it differently. <laughs> but you're not you're not them. You don't have their learning history and their knowledge. No. So you should do it and then use the data from implementing that to decide on what your next step is. So what does that look like uh, from a horse is I'm doing this on the fly. I don't actually have an answer. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to translate that across to the what about end. To a, what about another species like a dog or a bird? It, well, I'm thinking about pausing and, and sometimes our animals pause and think. So it would be so if you if you've got an animal that knows and has been with you through the process many times of being shaped to learn a new behavior and it tries something and that doesn't work and so like you say it immediately it acts quickly um, but you might see like a pause for a moment as it kind of yeah i guess uh, i would hypothesize have to thinking and I then it tries something different I would have to clarify that I am not talking about what I do sometimes see with horses is like a frantic, you know, um, operationalizing that just like, just they're, they're using their body and their behavior at such a rapid pace that it's, it's like, they're, it's like a runaway train of behavior. That's a little bit different to me than like what you're talking about, which is what I kind of was picturing in my mind. It's like a pause oh, you mean this? And then if that wasn't, you know, quite it as a pause, oh, you mean this, you know, they're thinking and they're offering behavior um, to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think maybe that's analogous to someone training without the, without a process to go through where they just, so Susan Friedman, uh, another mentor of mine calls it throwing spaghetti at the wall. Mm-hmm. So like like you implement something and then you try something else, um, but it's not based on what just happened. Like you're not shaping yourself. Yes. You're just kind of randomly doing things. 
Yeah. Until so, which is how I started animal training again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, that's very and, much like that training session I was explaining with the ear targeting earlier. That's what the beginning looked like. I was throwing spaghetti at the wall, and I was just like, "Stop, <laughs> stop, Adele! Like you got to pause. We got to we got to actually collect data here and like think about what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's very just it's not. Um, I don't know. It's not helping anybody. <laughs> And, and I think with our horses and other non-human learners, we don't try to put them in situations where they're going to fail lots to get success. Like we try to ensure that the right behaviours are easy and we yes. reinforce small enough approximations that they're always succeeding anyway. Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of, you know, working towards an errorless learning process and, and setting them up for success. And, um, you know, I want my horse, my learner, like from the minute that session starts, like they can't do wrong is essentially what I kind of how I explain it is like the approximation, the beginning, the start point should be such that they get it right away. And then we just go from there in a very rhythmic approximation building process um so it flows and it's nobody's stressed <laughs> nobody's overwhelmed and freaking out and off and throwing spaghetti at the wall <laughs> so with a skilled human trainer mm-hmm. the animal's experience is going to be highly reinforcing and seem easy mm-hmm. as it as they're led towards the behaviors it's, it's a great question and i'm thinking it's one that would generate interesting discussion if we stuck it up in our online community to say what is <laughs> yeah. what is what does a brave look like um, from an animal perspective? Like what what would you label a brave animal? I'm, I don't I don't have an answer. I don't either. I just my brain went to that place and I was trying to operationalize it and think about it. I have to think about it some more. I did another podcast episode with some of my students recently. Um, operationalizing the idea of confidence, like confidence in what you're doing and what comes next. And that's just, you know, you can listen to the episode. I won't go through the whole thing, but we really operationalized it as um, knowing what to do in a certain, with certain Mm. antecedents and certain cues. Like, you know, like you're confident, like the, the light turns green. I know to push my gas pedal and go forward. Like that is the, I'm very confident that this is the process that's supposed to happen. And I will be reinforced the access to the reinforcement, (laughs) the access to the reinforcement is readily available. If I do this, this, and this, um, because a lot of trainers, myself included, especially in the early stages, we, they say they lack confidence. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do next. They don't know how to train this. They don't know how to train that. I'm just don't want to train because I'm not confident in what I'm doing. And I, and I wanted to break that down for them. And it's just a, you don't know what to do next because you don't know how to access that reinforcement and you don't know the steps to get there. So this is where um, mentors and coaches and trainers are really useful because they can help you get to that um, and start building up that confidence. And then you can start branching out and exploring and just trying things and collecting data. And from there, once you build a little bit more confidence, um, that's just my kind of little spiel there. <laughs> no, it's good because if you think about, so I'm thinking about Ava Bertelsen, the Swedish trainer who teaches mm-hmm. something called flow charts. Yeah. So a flow chart is on a piece of paper, you write, I say sit, my dog sit, my or I say target, my horse's 
target or I offer a target stick, my horse is target, mm -hmm. and, and I click and then I put food here. Um, but what do you do if you offer the target and the horse does something else? Ah, uh, yeah. Right, so we, we teach that path to reinforcement, but there's also another path where your horse might do, decide to do something else. So a flowchart would be on a piece of paper writing, I present the target, the horse does something else, this is what I do. Yeah. Right, so you, you know what you're going to do in every occurrence in this training session that you're about to enter. Uh, and Ava labeled that as how to build confidence as an animal trainer. Like you know what you're going to do at each possibility. And, and there's only two options at each thing. The, the animal does what you want or the animal does something else. Yeah, I really like and, that. And, and so think about it with your horses. If we teach our horse what to do in each context, this is how you earn reinforcement in each context. Mm -hmm. These are your options. Uh, and we know what how we're going to interact with it. Like we can hypothesize that we can give our animals more confidence as well mm -hmm. that's very yeah i like the flowchart idea i'm gonna have to <laughs> look into that some more how to and all that there's so much there's so much good information out there man we have maxed out our hour and um i don't know I don't have any idea what to title this episode, but that's okay. We don't uh, title, title it. We don't know what a brave animal looks like. <laughs> I'll do that. Um, man, such a good conversation. I mean, do you have any final things you want to, I know I kind of, anyway, I want to bring us towards an end. And I feel like we went all over the place. We talked about confidence. We talked about bravery. We talked about how we can, um, oh, generalizing. We talked about trigger stacking. We talked about so many different things and how they relate to our human learners and our equine learners. Um, man, it was just a fascinating conversation. So I'm really thankful for you jumping in here with me and going on our little bunny trails together. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I guess um, we, we, we talked about what it means to be a brave human. Yep. Um, so... So find the right community, find a community that, that offers you reinforcement uh, and they acknowledge that uh, the laws of behavior uh, work the same for all earthlings, for horses, for canines, for snakes, for grizzly bears and tigers, armadillos, wombats, fish, shark, uh, for humans and for you. Uh, and that the techniques you use with your horses to break behavior down into small bite-sized chunks uh, is important, I feel, to your own learning as well. Uh, and there's a difference between learning from a textbook and learning from contingencies. What I mean by that is jumping in, getting dirty, uh, and feeling it all out. Um, and the process we talked about earlier is a great offering from Sarah Owings uh, to uh, work your way through that. Yeah, what was that book that we couldn't remember all three of the crucial conversations? Crucial conversations. Okay. Um, yeah. So stakes Ryan, are high, opinions vary, and emotions run strong. Got it. <laughs> there, you nailed it. So Ryan has a fantastic membership, as we've talked about, at the um, Animal Training Academy, and it's very much it includes a lot of different species and a lot of different human learners from all over the world. And um, it's a fantastic community to join. If you're, I'll let Ryan explain how to uh, reach out to him or to get involved with that. Well, I'm sure your listeners don't need to because they can go to your content and <laughs> get all the there help is, and support. There's tremendous amount of benefit from learning 
from other trainers of other species, that's been one of the biggest benefits I've taken away for, well, besides our great conversations and, um, but just watching people work with other species is um, very educational and fascinating and inspiring. And so I always encourage horse people to look beyond just working with horses because there's so much to learn. So I think there's a tremendous amount of value for them in Animal Training Academy. I, I, I do as well. And then if that's something that you feel is valuable for you and in your individual journey, that's the approximation that you think you might be up, uh, up to, then uh, you're welcome to come and hang out with us. Um, there is a ton of free stuff, so uh, you don't need to depart with any money if you want to come in and benefit from Animal Training Academy. We have 130-something podcast episodes. We've got a free course. We've got a blog. Uh, that will take you probably a couple of years to digest. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you can get stuck in it. there. <laughs> if, if, if you wanted to find out more, there is a, a membership button on the website. The website is www.animaltrainingacademy.com. Uh, we will be releasing a brand new learning platform, which is going to be amazing soon, but I'm not going to say that you should go there yet because the approximations to get that actually live uh, are many and plentiful and the resources are limited. <laughs> but, but but I'm getting there. But um, you can find everything I've just mentioned at animaltrainingacademy.com. Uh, find me on Facebook. I can request me as a personal friend, Ryan Cartledge. I'll probably use that more than my business page. Uh, on Instagram, Animal Training Academy. Now, really, they're only social media that I regularly uh, use. But yeah, hopefully we'll see you there. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ryan. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Ton of fun. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more, head to my website, thewillingequine.com. I'm also on a lot of different social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. So check those out. And I'd love to hear from you. So don't hesitate to email or send me a message. Mm-hmm.